Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Let us find mercy and grace to help. In fact, we know we're going to find it because we're looking for it. And you never disappoint us. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to impart to us today. Increase us with the increase of God today in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. It's beneficial every time we get into the presence of the Lord. Amen. You always get a benefit. I just want to remind everyone of our our uh, offer for this month. Pastor Shirley's book, The Prize, The High Calling and Great Commission. Amen. And what believers will be doing in this end time. So it's it's very refreshing. And this one's a freebie, seven weeks to health and healing devotional, healing devotional. You can never have too many healing devotionals. Amen. So easy to pick it up and read a, a portion of it every day along with your scripture. Amen. So this one is twelve dollars. Like I said, $14. Inflation? No. <laughs> we got to pay for stuff, folks. And uh, since we already paid for them, we got to pay for them. So, and, uh, and free shipping. Amen. Free shipping. Amen. So, praise God. So, we're going to talk today about the fact that you're getting better already. Amen. You're getting better already. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> we need to understand that, that God wants us continually healed. He said, healing is the children's bread. Then he told us to pray every day for our daily bread. So there is a daily healing that is due us um, according to our covenant with God. So when we expect uh, a deposit from God on a continual daily basis, uh, seek him in the word. You go in there and you read your word and you get what he has for you today. That he, that word that you read departs health to you. Amen. Whether it's your soul prospering, that has to come first, of course. So every time you go into the word, your soul prospers and your spirit gets stronger. Amen. Because your spirit man then begins to understand more things about God, more things in the word. Uh, just more things, period. And so once we understand that, 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 that word that we read every single day is beneficial to us and that God is healing us every day, uh, then we'll understand why we can make that statement that we're getting better already. Amen. Just by being in this assembly and, and sitting under the word of God, we are getting more healed. We're getting better. Uh, it, it may be tangible things. It may be things that are working underneath. But you must believe that your your faith uh, is working and your labor is not in vain. Your labor in the word is never in vain. Amen. And it, it is paying off even as we speak. So if you'll turn to the book of John chapter 4, I think it is. Yeah, it's John chapter 4. And uh, this is the story about a nobleman. They refer to this guy as a nobleman. Um, people believe that he probably worked uh, for King Herod. When they say a nobleman, it's somebody who was in his court, maybe somebody who was pretty high up. Um, this is somebody who has people under him. Uh, he's a man of authority. All of those things. And so... Uh, he approaches Jesus and he wants him to come home with him 
uh, because his son is sick. And so this this story is a kind of an example of God's extreme mercy, but also his his ability to test us to make sure that our faith is in the invisible and not in the seen realm. So this man is an example of somebody that God is moving higher up in faith. He's moving him from the seen to the unseen in his faith. And so this was um, the same place now where uh, this was near Cana of Galilee where Jesus had performed a miracle that was a visible miracle where the water was made wine at the wedding feast. And so and, and he began, that was like his his uh, debut, if you can say that, uh, his miracle debut. His first miracle was done at that wedding, and, and everybody saw it. You know, this was one of those times uh, I always say preachers can, can lose all their credibility through a wedding invitation. You know, um, it's one of those situations you you want to be there for the ceremony, but not the reception. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, so because people look at you funny when people around you are dancing and drinking, even though you're not doing it. So but this one was Jesus. He was he he was able to establish himself as a true prophet of God through the working of a miracle. And so it says here, starting in verse uh, 43, it says, now, after speaking of Jesus, now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And in the Bible also says among his own family, among his own kin, uh, people somehow tend to still see you as the person they knew when they were growing up. You know, they don't see you as somebody different uh, now that God has come into your life. And when when uh, they when he said that he was anointed in Luke chapter four and he read from the book of Isaiah and talked about how God had anointed him that day and people marveled. They said it is gracious words. All the eyes there were fastened on him. Now, when they fastened on him, it was because of the anointing. He said he was anointed, and then the power came, and it drew their attention 100% on him. But then they snapped out of it, and they said, isn't this Joseph's son and Mary's son? Don't we know his brother? You know, I used to play in the playground with him, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's it's. Prophets have to kind of uh, expect that, and but turn that over to God. Let God fight your battles for you. You know, a lot of times when you get saved in a family and maybe you had a bad reputation of being somebody who was, you know, very bad and corrigible. And then when you get saved, people look at you and they can't believe, they refuse to believe you're changed. They're always testing you and looking for you to uh, to do something ungodly, that kind of stuff. And so it's sometimes hard to fight a bad reputation. But I think Jesus was wise. He just let the Father show people. You know, he constantly obeyed the Father. I think if you keep in mind that you have God to obey and not you don't have anything to prove to people uh, because you can keep telling them your story. You can keep trying. 
But if they refuse to hear it, you know, you're wasting your time. So it's just good to bless people, forgive them, keep moving. And if God wants to show them something through you, let him do that. And so Jesus testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. It says when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. And they're talking about that wedding where he turned the water into wine. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And so we said that Capernaum, you know, well, they walked everywhere. Uh, Capernaum was like a, a like an a eight-hour journey. You know, it, it was quite a – you had to really feel like walking, I guess, to, to go. And uh, with this boy being sick and there being such a long journey – I'm thinking the one thing Jesus is concerned about is the level of this man's faith. You know, it's one thing to say, Jesus, come home with me. But then it's another thing to make it to the make it through the journey. And sometimes I think God in his mercy knows that that faith is going to collapse after a few hours. You understand what I'm saying? If it's not the right, right caliber of faith. So one of the things I think Jesus wants to do here is increase this man's faith right now. You know, get it to the point where he can, it pleases him and he can do the miracle for him because it's, it's being expressed, uh, in the proper way. And so when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him. And besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So you're talking somebody at the point of death that it's going to take a day and a half to get there, or half a day, I'm sorry, to get there. Uh, that That's a little bit of a stretch, even for somebody who, you know, this man really loves his son and wants him well. And, and we all have things that we desire from God. But desiring it and being having the right level of faith are two different things. So Jesus is going to have to somehow increase this man's faith, get the quality of it to to the level where it will produce what he desires, all of that. And so Jesus, in, in verse 48, then Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Or he probably put it to him this way. He said, you want me to, to, to do something before you believe it. And so because he could, Jesus could tell, you know, you can tell faith. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you and you know how to work with the Holy Spirit, he can reassure you uh, when somebody's in faith, when they're not, when they need a prayer of agreement so their faith can be strengthened somewhat. All of that. Faith is not faith, folks. We know that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It's also a gift of the Spirit. And so the gifts, though, they come as the Spirit wills. We're not talking about the gift of faith. We're talking here about the fruit of faith that comes out of your spirit man, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. And so we we have to trust Jesus in this. There is a purpose for him 
doing things the way that he does. And so where you see most of the people that approached him, he went along with the way they said they wanted things to go. Like uh, um, uh, the centurion that had the sick servant at home. He said, oh, don't come to my house. Just speak the word. And Jesus marveled at his faith. He said, wow. He said, I haven't seen this kind of faith, you know, out of my own people up in here, you know. And so he can tell what your faith is capable of when you speak it, when you express your faith. So there are many times we, when we first express our faith, the Bible says, believe you receive it when you pray or when you ask or when you stand before God and he, you get peace with him. It's a, it's a handshake. I got it. And then you go away with it by faith. Your faith tells you you have it. Amen. This is not something you're just saying. But if you come to him in faith and you ask in faith and that faith goes away with you assured that you have it and it will come to pass. And so there are some things that happen in between. Your faith now is going to have to go through the test that all faith has to go through. Uh, because the devil doesn't believe you're going to hold on to it. He's going to try to get you to let go of it. And so as believers, we have to understand that we are using um, spiritual weapons that belong to a kingdom, and we're just learning about it. See, this is a kingdom that's new to us. We haven't come this way before. And so we're, 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 we're under the test to make sure that we know what we possess. We know what it can do. We know we're, we're learning about faith. We're learning about what it can do. We're learning these things. And this is why it has to be tested. Amen. You can't have everything immediately. It's just not possible because faith doesn't operate like that. God has already decided how faith is going to work through his church. And so it works by love, but it also works through resistance and strengthening. When the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, what did he do? He said, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this big thing, move, and it'll move if you don't doubt in your heart. Amen. Well, if if the question is increase our faith, what does that have to do with increasing faith? Hmm? He said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this, and it'll move if you don't doubt in your heart. Amen. So so what what that has to do with increasing your faith is you must know that your faith will make, meet resistance. And that's how it increases, through meeting resistance. Amen. If you want a new car, you go the first place you go to, you see one you like, they tell you no, your credit's no good. Amen. That's your resistance. Now, do you believe you received it when you prayed? If you do, you'll go someplace else. And you go to the next place and the next place and the next place and the next place. Amen. So you're not looking for instant because your faith is taking you from place to place. Your faith knows what it's supposed to do. And if you will cooperate with the spirit of faith, you'll get there. 
But your faith is being strengthened every time you use it. Other than that, if you got it every time you whined for something, you'd have baby faith. Well, that don't sound too bad to me, Barbara. At least I'm getting my stuff. See, that's I know, I know folks. I know folks. Amen. You don't want baby faith. Because if you say like, for instance, you know, when when Gabby was a little toddler running around here two years old and she had a candy bar, anybody who wanted it could take it from her. So then if you stay with baby faith, you all your walk with God, everything you want from God, the devil will easily talk you out of it. Take it from you. It's like taking candy from a faith. There you go. And so you want the Abraham brand of faith. And Abraham didn't get that the first year that he started walking with God. Amen. He had to walk with him some time because the Bible says he finally did what? At the end, he judged God faithful. So how do you judge somebody faithful through experience with them? Experience takes time. Amen. And so we have to understand this about faith. It's just like the other fruit of the spirit. Love grows. We're not nearly as loving now as we're going to be five years from now, you know, or or whenever. Or you can say we're more loving now than we were 10 years ago. You got me? If you've grown in God. And so these these fruit, they're fruit because they grow. That's why they call them fruit, because they start out small and then they get bigger. But God has a way of, of increasing your faith that can cause it to bring great results even when you don't think it's it's at the level where where it can do all of that work amen because we cannot see the invisible god keeps it uh in the invisible realm where it's secure where it's not subject to this this world this this uh world system and being uh interfered with by the world system so because it's in the invisible realm, that keeps a security around it. See, your promise is secured by uh, Lloyds of Heaven. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's more secure than the most secure vault uh, known to man. And so we, we have high-level insurance with God. We have no fail faith. Our faith will never fail. Why? Because it's the faith of the Son of God. It's not just mere human faith, and it's not faith that's that's uh, limited to this natural realm that we live in. It's it's heavenly faith. Amen. It's resurrection power faith. Amen. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. And so, when you understand that, you'll understand if if we had and faith really the the is a power of god and one of the words for power that's used is dunamis which is the root word of dynamite so it's an explosive miraculous power and god is not going to give explosive miraculous to novices amen you know people who love everybody one day and the next day they want to fight somebody in the church you got me? And so we, we have to understand what God is doing with us as we mature spiritually. Our faith matures with us as long as we're willing to use it. 
as justified people, we live by faith. Amen. And so Jesus challenges this man and he says, unless you see a sign, you don't want to believe me, do you? And that's pretty much true of everybody. If we could get it fast and quick, we'd say, forget the growth. Just give my stuff. Amen. And so he knows that about people. That's why he is the author and finisher of our faith. You have no idea what your faith can do, what he's got you on schedule for it to do, what how he's expecting you to use your faith. We don't know the whole program. So we can't call the shots and dictate to him, you know, the way things go. I, I think it's a tragedy when, when I see people lose confidence in God. They lose heart. And and uh, I've seen it over the years. You'll see people uh, trying their best to believe God and, and that things don't seem to work out. Or they walk away and get disinterested before the promise comes through for them. They just keep missing it. You know, just missing it. And then when they look around and see other people getting answers, getting results, then they get discouraged and walk away. Why? Because their focus has never been on God. It's always been on people and stuff in the natural realm. And so you want to take people and say, you know what? Well, let me tell you what you need to do. But many times people get angry. Well, I believe I know. Yeah, I do this. I do, you know, okay, well, fine, you know, but they drop off the map anyway. Amen. Because sometimes people never realize what the problem is. Amen. And the problem is always what you focus on. That's always your focus. If your focus is on God and his word and the kingdom and what he has for you, you'll be so content and happy. Malcontented people are always the ones who are looking at everything other than God. Amen. Looking at how much fun they can have and you know, who who got this prayer answered, who got that prayer answered, and all this kind of stuff. And then when some tragedy comes, they quit believing God, period, because they think it's no good. It just doesn't work for them. See, the, the devil's had their attention all along. They've just been not addressing it, you know. And so it is unfortunate when you see people give up so quickly because things don't seem to be going their way. Well, it was never supposed to go your way. Supposed to go God's way. Amen. Or I'm disappointed. Well, if you didn't have an appointment with something, how could you be disappointed? A lot of things we want, we never had, was never appointed to us. Amen. And so we, we, you got to delve into this stuff. You got to really go, come, come before God and find out what he has for you. Most of us are scared of it. You know, it's like, well, well, I read my word <laughs> like Martha. <laughs> I believe you're the crisis. <laughs> you know, just giving all this back talk to Jesus like a parent. You know, he, he she ain't even answering his questions. He's right rattling off some scriptures trying to impress him. Amen. And so then this is the way sometimes we are. We're so afraid that we'll come up short. Amen. That's why it's it's really, really best to walk with God every day. Don't let go of his hand. Don't don't spend so long long of a time away from him, away from his word, 
wait in his presence let him speak to you let him show you things let him direct you amen let him lead you amen because there's so many wonderful things waiting for us if we'd let him lead us amen i remember my husband late husband would get so frustrated with me you know i i would i would just go and buy stuff i didn't see it. there's no law was there a law written on the books that say you can't buy nothing that's what i thought ain't nobody breaking the law arrest me if you can arrest me if you can catch me amen so anyway but he was always well i was gonna get that for you i'm thinking were you late but i didn't go there i was gracious but i didn't like it how dare i get accused of i want to say brother if you knew the stuff on my list you get busy (laughs) and he left me i'm ticked off because he bought me half the stuff he was supposed to give me before he left here you got me so anyway but he's with the lord so you know bless the lord <laughs> Amen. But um, you know, a little bitter bitter uh, bitterness in the widow's heart, but we we working on it. Amen. <laughs> we still working on it. <laughs> Praise God. So Jesus challenges this nobleman. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You ever notice how he didn't treat Gentiles any differently than he treated the Jews? Because he expects faith out of everybody. Whoever comes to God must believe. Amen. Got to believe that he exists and that he will reward you if you diligently seek him. And so he puts everybody to the same faith test. It doesn't matter what your background is, where you came from, what you know about the Lord, what you don't know. We all got to pass the same faith test. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down or my child will die. So this man is pleading when he asks him the same thing twice. He says, he said, my son is at the point of death. Come with me. Uh, He's going to die. Come with me. And Jesus tells him, unless you see signs and wonders, he said, come anyway. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So this is the way we are, folks. We wanted our way so bad. What did what did uh, 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 Abraham, our great faith example, say when God told him that he was going to give him a son? He really told him, he said, well, Ishmael is not going to be your heir. And that was like for for Abraham, that was like a stake through the heart, man. You know, he's ready to jump in the coffin. And so he said. And Abraham pleaded with God to change his mind and let Ishmael be the heir. Amen. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. See, many times we don't want what God wants for us. And we always say we want God's best. We want this. We want that. We want the other. But we're not really willing to pay the price for it stretch our faith out of the natural into the supernatural 
See, God could not give a counterfeit gift to Abraham. He had to do it his way. And he had to convince Abraham that he could believe for God to do this on his own. Amen. And so the fact that and Abraham was still holding on to natural faith and God couldn't let him do that any longer. He'd honored all the things that uh, that Abraham did. God honored. Amen. He blessed everything that he did. Even when he went down to Egypt and, and let those other men fight over his wife, all that kind of stuff. God blessed him anyway, forgave him and kept blessing him. Why? To teach him to trust him and know that he's faithful. Because, see, God's faithfulness is what's going to convince everybody to trust him. So Abraham had to walk with God enough years to develop enough history and experience with God to when God finally said, uh-uh, he ain't the one. You're going to have to go back and do this right. We, you get a do-over, Abraham. Amen. And it's a biggie. Amen. Because you're going to have to believe for your own body to be resurrected and rejuvenated into youthfulness and Sarah's too in order to get this. In other words, Abraham, I'm going to have to take you back in time in order for you to get what I have for you. Amen. And so God was able to convince Abraham and Abraham said, well, what do I have to lose? And sometimes faith is like that. Your decision is, well, what do I have to lose? If this is my only option, this is the way I got to go. People who have terminal illnesses, that's their only option is to trust God. And God doesn't mind you. He being your court of last resort. In fact, he's just glad you finally woke up and showed up. Amen. Sometimes people need to exhaust all their other options before they'll finally trust God. Amen. And so this is this is our story as believers, folks, that we sometimes all other doors have to close on you before you'll believe that God is behind door number three, like he says he is. Amen. And so when you go knocking on the right door, God is behind there and he will give you what it is that you are looking for and what it is that you are believing him for without fail. That's faithfulness. Faithful is no matter how long it takes for me to straighten up and pay attention and step out in faith, God will be there with my promise. Amen. No matter how long it takes. And so these are the things that that we have to really focus in on and understand that God is is a God that, that keeps his promises no matter what. Amen. I mean, everything that's impossible to us now, you can look in this Bible and see where God did that for somebody. So we can we have a history that with God, all things are possible because you see everything. You see everything in the Bible. Amen. From raising the dead, casting out devils, getting lame people up, uh, bringing a dead womb to life and elderly people, all that kind of stuff. Amen. You see it all. And so by the time you finish reading your whole Bible, if you receive everything you read, you'll say, man, with God, nothing is impossible. He's the same God now and he's no respecter of persons. If I just believe, I'll receive 
what it is that he has for me. Amen. And so Jesus challenges him. Jesus said when he heard Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So Jesus is saying the faith that you have right now is faith in the natural realm. You want to see something before you believe. So Jesus could not have gone with him in the condition of his faith. With his faith, the condition that it was. Because if he could have, he would have. He was on his way to Jairus' house. Remember Jairus with the sick daughter? His only daughter? And he was, he went to his home with him. Why? Because his faith was at the level that it needed to be for that miracle. Amen? So Jesus knows how to get our faith together. You understand what I'm saying? It's like the Holy Ghost slap upside your head and say, hey, come on, girl, get with it now. You can do better than that. You're going to have to if you want all that. You talking that long list of stuff? Come on now. You got to get serious about this thing. And so Jesus is telling him, faith in what you see is not going to work here. That's not the kind of God that I am. I got to have you believing in something you don't see. Amen. So you're not going to see anything. The other thing, too, is here this man is a ruler, a man of authority, and he whining and want Jesus to hold his hand all the way back to his house. So he got baby faith, wants to see something first, and see he wants to put all the responsibility over on Jesus. And this is where we as believers need to understand that it's not up to us totally to have all the faith to help people. They got to bring some faith with them. Amen. You got to have something in your pocket before before you can get admission to the throne room. You got to have some kind of faith going on here. So it's it's up to us to understand that that our faith has to be in operation. Our faith in what we don't see must be in operation at all times in order for us to receive what we need from God. There's, that's without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Jesus was not pleased with this man's faith. This is not a recommendation like he gave the woman with the issue of blood. Be of good cheer. Your faith is, girl, you got it. Your faith, go home, girl, you got it. You know, your class is over. You got your A, go home got your diploma for today amen and so this is where he wants to bring us all to to where we believe in the invisible that inner voice of the holy spirit through your meditation he will speak to you what god wants you to do to receive what it is that you need from him you know and and encourage you along the way he wants us to live by faith everybody and this is what he's trying to get this guy to see and after Jesus rebukes him and says, you know, your problem is you want to see something first and then believe. Amen. And so he, 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 instead of Jesus accommodating him, he decides to up his level of faith because he's capable of it. He's not expecting us to do something we can't do. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. If I can't see it, I, I can't believe it. Of course you can. Amen. Everybody believes before they see. 
Everybody has dreams. Everybody has wants. Everybody has aspirations. Amen. Everybody has something they desire that they don't possess yet. So it takes faith to get that. Amen. So we're capable of believing. We just we just feel like when we come to God, he's got to cut us some slack. You know, make it easy for us. Don't make it too hard, God. You know, that that kind of stuff. So <laughs> Brother Hagan said that, that he would tell people things like, you know, if, if they didn't get their healing immediately, he would just encourage them to keep coming to the meetings and sit under the word let your faith increase and then come up to the altar or he would have situations where he would people would leave and he would give them instructions Uh, he was saying there was a woman one time that had a tumor on her face on her nose or something like that and he prayed uh, the prayer of faith for her and the tumor was still there and he told her he said well he said it it didn't go down automatically, you know, immediately, he said, but it will. He said, if you do, if I gave you, told you to do something, would you do it? And he said, nine times out of ten, people would say, yeah, if it's easy. Huh? What would you say? Exactly. Amen. <laughs> At least they're being honest about it. And he said, don't worry, it'll be the easiest thing you ever had to do. And he wasn't lying. You know why? Because God won't give you something to do hard. And he told her that he said, I want you to think about this often. He said, and as often as you think about it, just say, Lord, I thank you for uh, for uh, taking that tumor off of my face and I'm healed. I thank you that I'm healed. That tumor is gone. And she probably for about four days and then she called the pastor at the church, told him that thing fell off her nose. In the bathroom, she put it in some, you know, a little jar and go bring it to church with it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And so once you start exercising your faith, it's a done deal. People think that that it's it's not, but it is. Amen. I was speaking with my, my little handyman guy. He and his wife are smokers. They're not smokers, but um, she was taking the patch, and then she ran out of patches. And so I told him, I said, y'all two really want to get rid of these cigarettes. They said, yeah. I said, well, you're going to do something. I said, this is guaranteed to work. This won't fail. And I said, every day, I said, you light up your cigarettes, you take a puff. As you puff in your cigarette, say, I am not a smoker in Jesus' name. Now, this was like... When was it? Because they've just been working on this project for a few days now, maybe three days ago. And when I gave them the instruction, so every time I would go out outside, I catch them taking a smoke break, <laughs> you know, both of them. And so I told them, I said, are you two saying what I told you to say? And they said, what was it again? I am not a smoker in Jesus' name. Little wife was, okay, I'm not a smoker. In Jesus. I said, now, when you say it, I see your brain is going to fight you. I see your brain is going to talk back to you and say, yes, you are. Look at you. How could you say that? I said, but you keep saying it anyway. I said, because your faith is what you want to keep expressing. I said, that's what your brain says when it hears you talk faith the first time. I said, but just don't pay any attention to it. Keep on. So so yesterday, um, about 
about six o'clock in the evening, they were getting ready to leave. And so the husband said, he said, this is the first cigarette I had all day. I said, it's working. He said, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Now, don't, you don't get too, he didn't want to get too excited, but I think it is. You know, and God wants, he wants them well. God wants you off things that are hurtful to you. Amen. So I told him, I said, now don't forget, keep saying it. I said, just keep saying it. I said, over, always keep saying it. And so God has a way for us to be able to demonstrate how faith works. Now, who would think that, that people just hearing about faith and, you know, and sometimes with people that aren't churched and out, keep it simple. Don't go run, get a Bible and start, you know, and scare them half to death. You know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, just be led by God and, and keep it as simple. Now, if somebody asks you where it is in the Bible, you go get your Bible. But just keep it simple and it's simple instructions. And so, and so, um, you know, it's working for them. It's working for them. Faith always works. And people are capable of developing their faith. Everybody can do this. So it's not like God is asking us, don't ever think God is is hard on you or giving something too hard to do or, you know, all that. Put that stuff out of your mind. Just that's not God. That's not his way. He He keeps it simple and he helps us along the way. And this is the beautiful thing about the Lord. He helps us along the way. And so Jesus told him after he pleaded with him twice, no, come on now. I, I You know, I got to have you come. Amen. And and so if if there was enough faith on what he said, Jesus would have gone with him because he did for Jairus. And you think, well, what's the difference here and the difference with Jairus? Well, with Jairus, he was believing God. This man, Jesus, pinpointed his problem. He wanted to see something before he believed. Amen. And so these are two different expressions. They want him to do the same thing. And are asking similar things, but the faith on them are different. And see, this is how, and Jesus knows the difference. Of course, he's an expert at it. And so Jesus, and he can't let people cheat. You can't just beg him to do something, keep begging and make him do it. Your faith has to be in operation. Why? Because you've got faith and you can use it. It's not too hard for you to use. It's just that you don't know how to use it. Amen. And so when, when, he said that Jesus said to him in verse 50 go your way your son's alive or go home and see your son and when you get there he'll be alive amen and so he he said and the man believed the word see sometimes you get forced into believing amen because you you're kind of pinned in you can't go anywhere else Amen. You you got to believe. And see, if God needs to get you to the point where you're hemmed in, where you got to believe, he'll get you there because he'd rather have you in faith and disappointed because you didn't get it immediately than to have you wanting everything immediately and never getting it. See, you'll never get it just by wanting it all the time or wanting it immediately or wanting it your way. Amen. You know, people are funny. Their ways change from minute to minute. Huh? <laughs> if you, if you start wanting something real bad and then you get it and say, it ain't what I thought it was going to be. 
Amen. <laughs> and all the married people say, <laughs> Amen. It's just life. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, when he told him that, it says, The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. Now, many times people don't believe the word because they've never heard the word. See, this man was going by sight, signs and wonders, not by hearing the word. So he never really heard the word. He just went by what he saw. And really, to be honest with you, when Jesus did that miracle, there was no word being preached. I didn't see any. So it wasn't one of those situations where, see, there are places where God needs to demonstrate power and demonstrate the anointing. And that was the wedding feast where he needed to show people that this man is anointed. He has power. And this is what that power does. So when when it's a demonstration, that's all they see. They get a, a glimpse of God's glory poured out on a vessel or coming through a a human being and that's all there is to it so they don't understand that they can hear the word and get their needs met the way they want to have them met they just they know jesus can do stuff that's what this man knew, knew he knew he could do stuff and he figured he'd have to get him there where his son was before he could help him at all and jesus wants to show him no I don't have to go anywhere because if if I just go with you, you're waiting for me to do something before you believe. See, this is so important that we believe first and then receive. You can't be looking for stuff all the time. That's not faith in God. You got faith in something else. You got faith in the natural. You got faith in voodoo. You got faith in whoever shows up to help you. You understand? You just don't care about the faith thing. But anybody who came to Jesus had to come to him in faith, folks. He just couldn't operate any other way. But he also knew how to get the faith to you that you needed. With him being the author and finisher of our faith, he knew how to get that faith to you and how to get it in you. Just like many times we think we're waiting, just waiting on God. And God's waiting on you to believe him, really. You know, you you got a good start, but now you got to continue. Amen. Why is it we always think that when we go a little bit, we've done a whole lot? Oh, I've been waiting so long. And, And many times we're half believing and half not believing. We're not really ministering over that prayer or expecting it we're just sitting around waiting to see if and when something is going to happen that's not faith amen it really isn't it certainly isn't the kind that pleases god god needs if you want something from god you got to show up every day you know believe him like it's your job you know go punch in every day amen worship him every day and 15 minutes uh every 15 minutes just throw you like Bishop Oyedepo said, it's an addiction. (laughs) 
<laughs> it really is. He learned. He didn't build that big ministry just on watching God, see what God is going to do and if he's going to do something. He did it by faith, by staying in constant contact with God through worship and praise. You can do that. You can keep God so close to you, it'll make your teeth rattle. Amen. And and just always keeping him near, being aware, acknowledging him, as the word says, in all your ways. So always acknowledge. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. You gave that to me. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You re- release that into my life. I just bless you. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good, that you're God and you know me and you like me. You know, you love me. You put up with me. You you invite me in. You want to give me so much. Amen. It's just wonderful. And just begin to talk to him by extolling him and lifting him up. Amen. Don't come in there with your complaint. Huh? I wonder what's taking so long. See that wondering. Amen. Anybody who's worthwhile company would Turn around and go out the door. <laughs> Truly. You're not even respecting their ears with all that whining and carrying on. And so we need to go go to God proper, you know, lift him up, exalt him. Amen. And so when Jesus told him, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. Now, what was different about this guy? This is this is the centurion's faith in reverse. Amen. Because, see, the centurion came there with this faith. Jesus had to give this faith to this man. He don't care what he has to do. He's going to get it to you. You can come full, you can come empty. But when you leave out of the throne room, you're going to be believing. Amen. If you if you came with a proper request. So when the centurion talked to Jesus, he said, he said, come. He said, no, he said, my servant is at home sick, you know, you know, at the point of death. You know, I want him healed. Jesus said, okay, I'll come with you. Well, no, you won't. Oh, not my house. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, the centurion knew who he was. And, you know, really, the, the, uh, he was a friend of the temple. He had put money into building the temple for them. He was a friend of the Jewish people. He had some, some bragging rights. You know, he had some, some checks he could cash in, you know, some some tokens he could redeem. But he told Jesus, and they had talked him up. You know, the Pharisees and all the people said, oh, you're coming. Oh, Jesus, you got to check this guy out. He's like, nah, he needs something. It's true. But boy, what he's done for us. I mean, he's holy worthy. And the guy said, wait a minute. Hold on. Who y'all talking about? I'm just me. See, that's a good place to be. Because, see, your faith can get killed by your pride. And see, this this centurion was smart enough not to go for the bait. Amen. Where is that in the word? Because I want to go over that. It's it's important to show the difference. 
the uh, this is the nobleman's son, and then we got the centurion's servant. Let me see. Loretta Tayara, you finding it? Thank you. Okay. Well, Luke is close, so we'll go there. Luke 7 1. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you. Luke 7 1. Now, it says here, okay, 7-1, now when he had ended his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. So I'm trying to see where he was beforehand. Well, no matter. I can't see it right away. It says, and a centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for for why he should do this. See, nobody's got faith here. And so Jesus is going to have to straighten this up before he could do something. So the centurion doesn't feel worthy to even approach Jesus. So he wants to respectfully approach him. So he sends to him some of the the Jewish people to speak on his behalf. So this is like um, intercession gone sideways. Because he's trusting people who don't have faith either, but he don't know any better. You know, how many of you found God through some mishaps by people you thought knew God and found out they didn't know nothing? Amen. (laughs) You had to kiss a few frogs before you finally got to the prince, right? Amen. Amen. Everybody got to do their time down that road. And But they said he's worthy because he loves our nation. He built us a synagogue. And then Jesus went with them. Now, why do you think Jesus went with them? Yeah, he had to see for himself. See, Jesus knows the whole thing, how it's going to end up before it even takes place. So Jesus sees himself approaching this man to find out what kind of faith he has. Does he have enough faith for him to go down to his home? Is he requesting this? So Jesus has a request here, and everybody's pleading with him, but on the wrong foundation. They're on a wrong basis. But he investigates. You ever... Wonder sometimes you look back and see how raggedy your prayers used to be and you wonder how did God even answer that? This is one of them situations. See, he brings you from, like they say, from a mighty long way. Amen. And so we, we'll look back sometimes and say, now God, you must have loved me because 
you just followed me to make sure I started believing you and thinking the right way and, and showing me the way. Jesus being a teacher knows that he can correct any situation. He's all faith. He's all love. He's all power. And so he understands that whatever is going on here, he can fix it. And yes, his compassion is leading him to want to do something for this sick person. Amen. He always wants to take care of the sick. And so <clears throat> then when Jesus got there, the the, the centurion, he says, verse six, then Jesus went with them when he was now not far from the house. The centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. In other words, I did things to build a temple, but that doesn't qualify me for anything good from you. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to buy a healing for this man. I'm not trying to use anything improper, you know, like is not. Uh, what you know is who you know kind of thing. Mention my name, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I'm not trying to get any kind of special treatment. So he renounces the special treatment path. And, and the, 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 the guys, the Jewish men who, who were the elders, that's how they roll. Give me some money and I'll give you Whatever. You bring something to me, I'll do something for you. They operated in merchandise. They operated in, in trading gifts and favors. So this was like second nature to them. And they're probably wondering why this guy isn't going along with that. Amen. If, if you didn't want something out of us, why did you build a temple? You got me? And so, so anyway, he goes there and, and he tells them, he says, I never thought myself worthy for you to come here. In other words, he's he's distancing himself from these temple leaders. He's saying, uh-uh, that's not why. He said, I just asked them to ask you, you know, about my servant or whatever. They might have taken it upon them themselves to do that. Amen. And so uh the elders then are 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 trying to get favor with God through the natural route, through material means. And so the centurion, I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but when he sees Jesus coming to his house, he's thinking to himself, he said, well, you know, don't come in. You know, don't come because you think you owe me something. Amen. Uh, What I did, I did out of the goodness of my heart. I don't want anything back from it for it. That's a good way to approach God, you know, not having your credentials, not having, oh, God, I did this and that and the other. And when am I going to get, you know, how do you know you haven't received it already? Got me. You're living, you're breathing, got a roof over your head. How do you know? And that little bit we do, come on now, most of that ain't moving us to say nothing about moving God. Amen. So, so your own credentials in this, this centurion knows better. He's smarter than the rulers of the synagogue about spiritual matters. But he tells Jesus, no, no, I'm, I'm not worthy. He said, but I'm a man set under authority, having under me soldiers 
And I say to one, go, and another, come, and he does this and does that. He said, just say the word. Just say the word. My servant will be healed. Amen? Now, this is something interesting because when you think about it, you think maybe this this centurion is sitting at home waiting to look at the servant and see he's healed. See, because he had that level of faith. See, he told them, go tell Jesus that my servant is here sick. Amen. And I want him well. They go off and he's still at the house. Got me? Now, if he felt that Jesus had to come there, he would have gone with them. Because they would have gone in a party of people. It's, you know, an introduction. Centurion's here. He's done this. He does that. Jesus meet the centurion. An introduction type thing. The fact that he was still at the house speaks volumes about his faith. He's sitting there watching this man to see him recover. Because he knows as soon as they get the okay from Jesus. Because, see, he's sending people. He says, he tells them, go. Tell him. They're waiting for Jesus to give the word, and he's looking there at the servant to make sure he gets well. Because he's expecting it. So he said, I don't have to go nowhere. So, but what broke that up was when he heard that Jesus was on the way back. Then he has to go out and stop him and say, no, uh-uh, no, I, I never meant for it to go down like this. I did what I did over there out of the goodness of my heart. I didn't do that to buy favor from you for anything. In fact, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just just say, I asked them guys to tell you to say my servant was healed. What they do, they drag you over to my house. I didn't ask him to do all that. You got me? So he's a, a, a specialist on authority. He's sending people under his authority. He's expecting them to speak to somebody in authority and bring him word back that the servant is healed. He never expected Jesus to come to his house. Or he'd have straightened up something in that house. It was raggedy up in there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> they didn't give him a chance to, to tidy up the living room. You know, hide something under the pillows and the cushions and stuff. So So if he believed for the word to work, he was waiting to receive word from Jesus that says, your servant is well. Amen. I'm healing him. He's well. And so, but but see with this, uh, uh, the, um, the nobleman over here, now both of these people are Gentiles. They don't know anything about Jewish religion customs or anything like that. Jesus does this in reverse. So it's like this, where the centurion knows his word is good. Jesus' word is, is good, and he's waiting for Jesus to release that word, and he's waiting for that servant to get better. That's where his faith is. He totally expected that man to get better at Jesus' word. Not coming to my house. Just your word. Amen? Because that's how he understands things. 
So he's working in the realm that he understands. Amen. Here we got somebody else, another nobleman, somebody who's who understands authority, but he's not employing it. See, you can understand a lot of things. You know, this is how people, ministers, can't get their healing. When they prayed for many people to be well. Or they have a, a, a church, they lead a church that believes in signs and wonders. And maybe they see some here and there. I don't, you don't know what people really believe. Only God knows that. But but this is how you'll find people with, with lingering symptoms and lingering things because many times you know a lot of stuff and you're exposed to it but you don't know how to put it together see anybody can be guilty of not knowing how to put it together that's why the bible tells us to pray for one another that we may be healed confess your faults to one another pray for one another that you may be healed so god's not expecting you just because you have a uh, you have the biggest ministry in town and everybody looks up to you. He's not expecting you to be able to lay hands on yourself all the time. He's expecting you to be smart enough to go to somebody who can help you put it all together. Sometimes because it's you, you lose perspective of what what God expects from you. You think it's the same old, you know, like we like the same old <laughs> Three day uh, Lillian Yeoman's three day healing, you know. <laughs> but now we know you can't get it all the time, and most of the time you had faith because you didn't think it was that big a deal. Now you got stuff that's a bigger deal, and you got to get with this a little bit. You got to put forth a little more effort here, and so this this happens with 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 the supernatural sometimes. This happens with faith sometimes. And you just have to go to God and, and figure out how to put that together. So here you have a centurion that understands authority, has many men under his authority. And you got a nobleman that's probably of higher rank. The centurion is a worker guy. He's a military guy. So they understand the authority. Yes, sir. No, sir. Who to salute, who not to salute, all that kind of stuff. And and then you have the nobleman who's, you know, he's sitting probably next to the king or very close to him. He's, you know, like having the red carpet laid out for him, spoiled a little bit. Amen. But they do understand authority. They have the same kind of training within them. The centurion uses his. The nobleman can't find his. So Jesus gives him the Holy Ghost slap on his face. A snap out of it. Amen. Unless you see signs and wonders, you don't even want to put your faith out here. Where's your faith? Show it to me. Now go home because your son's alive. You know, come back into your training, your military training. Amen. That's what we need sometimes. You need the little Holy Ghost beat down and just... Come to yourself and say, now, wait a minute. I got way off the track over here with this stuff. I got excited, scared, nervous, all of the above. Help me, Jesus. Amen. So there he is to the rescue. Why does Jesus demand this? Let me back up a little bit. Go over some notes. I haven't got 
way off of my notes. Well, I don't know. I won't say that. Um, when, when in verse 48, he says here, what I have here is Jesus reprimands this man as wanting to see signs and wonders. And there were other people in the crowd, too. They were familiar with the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee. Now, your your group that you're with determines your level of faith, whether you know it or not, amen, or whether you believe it or not. You're connected to them for a reason. Why? You feel peace around them? You have influence one with another? All that kind of stuff. Amen? And so he's in in Cana where all the buzz is about seeing something. Seeing the miraculous. Oh, you should have been here. You heard about that wedding, right? Yeah, they said it was a big pot of water. And he told them to pour it out. And while it was pouring from one to another, that stuff turned red. My brother saw it because he worked back there with them people. You understand what I'm saying? So every, the buzz was about seeing. Amen. Believing after you see something. Amen. And so Jesus wants to correct that in people and get them over on developing their own faith amen he can't let us want to see the spectacular all the time to know that he's around you know i used i watch sometimes people that that we go to benny hen meetings they were on everybody's bus they would call us and say are you going to, to benny hen so and so i said no we're not going to that one. Oh, you know anybody who's going they were like bus ride junkies and a lot of people went because they didn't have to pay much money. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get on a bus for and go somewhere for three days for around $150. I don't know what we charged. It was it was bare bones because we didn't, you know, we didn't add anything. Into, we weren't doing it to make money. We're doing it to learn. And so there are some people that, that you could just jump from bus to bus and just be a, a bus junkie. Going to stay in a hotel for three days or two days and, you know, take your lunch money. You can go to a nice little hotel and, you know, kind of live it up like you were just on vacation permanently. So you have those people in the crowd, you know. And so it's 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 the group that you're with that determines your level of faith. It always is. You can't you can't rise above that. You can't be like, you know, like you will see people and, you know, you know the story. People come and get prayed for and get tongues and they're in a dead church. Nobody in there believes in tongues. They're in there with all them unbelievers. And then you got one little one little person that one little crab jumps out of the barrel and goes and gets something. Then he goes, jumps back in the barrel with the rest of the crabs again. Well, you know, you're going to get crabs. Amen gonna pick up what they have and so it or they'll say something crazy like well uh you know i'm just there to be an example no you're not you're gonna die there you were dying before you got out why don't you get out and live amen but they want to go and lord it all over people and brag and have a trophy 
then they get in trouble with the pastor and get kicked out and they all hurt because they can't figure out what happened to them we tried to tell you you didn't fit in there no more god's trying to pull you out and you don't know nothing but how to pray in tongues a little bit you have yet to learn what that tongue thing is going to do for you and what it's all about but you'll never be encouraged to use it around a bunch of unbelievers amen god's trying to give you freedom so you can live he's trying to give you abundant life amen so you might as well keep on moving if you paid for a pew you can't get your money back just ask him to meet you on the other side which <laughs> with your reimbursement it's true amen so so the the level of faith that this gentleman has this nobleman is not going to get his son healed and jesus nails the problem amen he nails it it says he says unless you see something you're not going to believe amen you have to understand that people love the spectacular you're going to have more people there because of what they see and what they um uh you know perceive than um what they really believe you can see something and not have faith involved in it do you understand what i'm saying it just the 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 natural part of us is so engaged in so many visual things and so many things you hear and and your your mind kind of filters through things and you got to sort through and decide now what do i believe and what do i what do i want to hold on to and what do i want to and the average person that comes into a meeting where where there are signs and wonders doesn't understand that they can go home and talk to god about what they just saw and try to get some understanding out of it people are still trying to understand what happened at azusa street that caused so many people to come out of there empowered by the holy ghost and it never left them they went on and started ministries with signs and wonders and miracles john g there are tons of people came out john g lake went over to africa and revolutionized that continent with a visit at azusa street you understand what i'm saying all of the the ones at the turn of the century stopped by that little stable and don't tell me they went because it was plush and and nice get a straw floor you know a uh orange crates for podium and i never know as many times as i've heard people teach on god's generals and william seymour they know more about him having a missing eye than they did about how he did what he did there but it wasn't until tommy welch the late now he just passed away last month i just found that out yep but he had gone to uh you know his story is he he ran away from police were looking for him in oklahoma he ran to uh to uh, california and and god had him connect with these people who were now elderly people but they were teenagers during azusa street 
And they told him the whole story. And they said that Brother Seymour would come down to the meeting. He lived upstairs over, you know, this was two-level stable. He lived upstairs over the the, the uh, church part of it, and he would come down three times a day. They say that he said when he first began, before that revival began, he prayed five hours a day, and God told him to increase his prayer time. He went up to seven hours of prayer. And he now these people running around here, you know, selling signs and wonders to people, they ain't doing that. You know they're not doing it because it's not staying with them. It's not the same thing. It's going to get there. Got to find somebody who's paying the price, probably paying it right now. But but God will get us there. But but the thing of it was he put a box over his head, a wooden box, and he sat there with that box over his head until God told him to start the meeting. And he would take it off while he was while they were there. They weren't just waiting. Many of them were praying in the spirit. They were very respectful to his leadership. But when he got up and took that box off of his head, he would speak to the organist to play a certain song and tell the people to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when they would, they said there was a uh, the Shekinah glory floated along the floor. And they said it was a white cloud that was tangible. And the kids would get down and make snowballs with it and play, play in it. And it was there all the time. It carpeted that floor with the Shekinah glory of God. And they said people would come in, limbs, they would pray for people, their limbs would grow out. Pray for a woman that somebody, a woman that she caught with her husband, they got in a fight, she bit her ear off. And the woman said when she took the bandage off, it was just, said it looked like just hamburger, raw meat. It was so bleached, it's very painful. They prayed for her and she said, I watched that ear grow out of the side of her head. You got me? And so I say that to say, this kind of glory is returning to the earth. Amen. It's got to come back. God's promised it. Amen. So it's got to come back. And I'm believing God for it. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm a believer because I know that's that's where our next stop is, is with the tangible glory of God. But to see people come in there not knowing anything about God and then leaving out and starting ministries, knowing, learning that quickly about the Holy Spirit, that'll put all the Bible schools out of business. All, you know, you look at what's, what's at stake if that comes to pass. Everybody's big everything that they've been blowing all up all the time. Not necessary anymore. Why? Because the comforters come. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He has come. Praise God. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for what we have been experiencing and your word and for the understanding that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for blessing us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We honor you, Lord, and we love you. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. All right, we'll do our declaration. Sorry, I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. And the government will apologize to everybody for forcing them to take that dope. Say it. In Jesus' name, it's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.